Good morning, Shiloh. Oh, I have a hard time listening to that song and not getting emotional. That is Jaden Syverson, who just made Lauren Daigle very jealous as she heard that rendition. And, and just for the record, Jaden is my favorite pianist and singer named Jaden. All right, I have to protect myself there. Um, so I love this song, and it, it so ties together with what we are talking about in our series, You Are. So I, you know, sometimes when I'm listening to a song, I don't always hear the lyrics super clearly. So I just want to read you some of these lyrics because I think they are so, so powerful. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Remind me once again who I am because I need to know. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I am falling short. And when I don't belong, you say I am yours. I believe. Oh, I believe. The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. I like that one line especially that says, I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. I didn't have this in my message this week. Uh, I actually put this in this morning because I just felt the Lord... Uh, give me a, a sense that someone today needs to hear this. You need to hear that you are truly what God word, God's word says you are. So this is important. You are not what you're hearing in your head. You're not the lies that you are hearing. You are what God says you are. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to look through your word, the Bible, the word of God, and find the things God says you are, and let those voices play in your mind. Our series, as I said, is entitled You Are, so let's make a little adjustment in these, uh, in these lyrics so that it's a little more personal for you. You are loved, you are strong, you are held by him. Why? Because you are his. Last week, uh, Pastor Greg uh, shared on what I feel is the most important you are that we will share on through this entire series. And that is that you are loved. You are loved by this amazing God of all creation. Another line in, in Lauren Daigle's song is, you say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. So you and I are who God says we are, regardless of how you feel, regardless of your circumstances. When God says you're loved, this never, ever changes. There are so many things that God's word says you are. For example, it says you are more than a conqueror. Have you felt like more than a conqueror during these weeks of this pandemic? But you know, the word of God says it's not by our feelings. It's by our faith. It's by knowing who we are and then believing God for that. You are not only a conqueror, more than conquerors. We will conquer through this. Believers bring the hope to this world at a time when so many are hopeless. The word says that you can do all things through Christ 
who strengthens you. You see, I, I know that whatever God says you are, you really are, because I have to apply this in my own life. And the Bible is full of examples of God telling people, it's really hard for me to stand in one place, so they told me I could move around a little bit. Um, we see all throughout Scripture, God telling people what they are when they didn't really believe what they, what they were. So we're going to take one example. So there's this group of, of warriors called the Midianites. And the Midianites are super, super large in number. And they are surrounding Israel. And they would just come in and raid them whenever they wanted to. They would steal their livestock. They would steal their, their, um, their produce and their, their, you know, the wheat out of their fields. They, they would kill some of them, uh, take, their, you know, take their wine, their vineyards, all that. And Israel was crying out to the Lord during this time. They hid in caves. They hid anywhere they could. And they just cried out to God, said, God, please. And of course, they had sinned. And that's what got them into this situation. And, and so one of them, one of the Israelites named Gideon, God sends an angel to him. All right? An angel comes and is going to appear to Gideon. Now, let me tell you where Gideon is. The angel has to find him here. He is threshing wheat. Now, threshing wheat is normally done on a flat area on the, on, on the ground. All the wheat is put there, and then they take like what we would call a pitchfork, and they throw it into the air, and the wind, they would do it usually on windy days, would blow the chaff, and the wheat, which is heavier, would settle. So that's how they would, they would winnow the, the wheat so it would be solid and the chaff would be gone. Well, Gideon is in a, in a wine press. Now, unlike a threshing floor, a wine press is a hole in the ground. All right, so you can imagine Gideon is down in a hole. He's probably trying to throw it up just enough to catch the wind. He doesn't want to be seen by the Midianites. He's afraid. He's hiding. So here's what the angel comes and says. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay, now here's what Gideon says to him. First of all, you see an angel. I mean, come on. You see an angel, you must think something's going on. But no, here's what Gideon says to him. He says, "Uh, Mr. Angel, there are 12 tribes in Israel. And in the 12 tribe, there are different clans. And among the different clans, there are families. And among the different families, there are members. So if you stack them all up, angel, the very last person on the very bottom of the list would be Gideon. I am not a mighty warrior. Don't even talk about that. And the angel says, not to worry. I'll be with you, meaning God will be with him. And, uh, and we're going to have this. We're going to take care of it. Well, let me get to the end of the story with some cajoling. Uh, Gideon ends up going, and it ultimately comes down to this. He takes a band of 300 men, and he goes up against 135,000 Midianites. And yes, you know they won. If you're a math person, by the way, you know that that uh, means 450, 50, 450 Midianites for every Israelite. And they killed them all. They defeated them all. And of course, as a result of this, Gideon was proven to be a mighty warrior. And, and that was nothing Gideon thought he could ever be. But when God says you are something, you are something. Actually, my wife, her, her name's Barb, um, when she's not happy with me, she says that to me. She says, oh, Ed, you're really something. But I think it's a different context than, than this particular uh, meeting. So we're going to take a look at you are. 
that's our series. And, and we're going to talk about a topic this, uh, this week that is such a companion piece to last week's topic by Pastor Greg, You Are Loved. This is You Are Forgiven. Okay, so let's begin by defining forgiven. Let's, let's look at a dictionary definition of that. And here's what they are. To have been granted a pardon, to have been absolved of a wrong committed, and to have had any indebtedness canceled. In Luke 23, 34, there's this amazing series of words that Jesus utters. It's the last words he utters regarding man. Okay? And, and this is what he says to, and he says it, it's a prayer request from Jesus to the very people that are crucifying him. And an important note here, it's a prayer request for us as well. And here's the words that he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. His last words, a prayer request, his last words regarding man are a prayer request. If we think back, to be forgiven means, Father, pardon them. Father, absolve them from all wrongs committed. Father, let them be debt-free. So I want to put that scripture, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, to this scripture in John eleven forty-two. 42. I know that you always answer my prayers, but I said this so the people here would believe you sent me. Now that's a critical scripture here because here's what, here's what Jesus didn't pray. He didn't pray, oh, Father, please encourage them. He didn't pray, oh, Father, watch over them. He didn't pray, oh, Father, protect them from the enemy. Now, in reality, God our Father does all of those. But his final request was, Father, forgive them. John 11, this scripture is very important because what it says is that Jesus acknowledged that his father always answers his prayers, always. So God answered that prayer. See, why were these Jesus, why were these his last words? Because there was no ability for us to have a relationship with God our father without him forgiving us. And this is why Jesus was actually hanging on the cross to get to those words. Those are absolutely life-changing, humanity-changing words. In reality, the only way you and I can be saved is by Jesus' blood that covers our sins. Without forgiveness of sins, there could never be a relationship with Jesus, with God our Father, or with the Holy Spirit. If you've read the Old Testament, you find out what it would be like to be living then, same God, very, very different circumstances. See, there was no perfect sacrifice at that time. God could not forgive them without this unending number of sacrifices of animals. And even then, he was under no obligation. And when they would continually sin, when the Israelites would continually sin, God would, they broke the covenant. They weren't keeping the law. They weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And 
And we see this over and over again, that the Israelites suffer the most horrific, horrific punishment and penalties. We're going to talk about that. We're going to go to one, though. I want to use one that's not as horrific, but it is a great example of the penalty for sin where there isn't the same perfect sacrifice to provide this unbelievable forgiveness. So Moses had led the people out of uh, Egypt. He takes them. They're going to the promised land. The spies go in to look at the land, and they come back with a bad report. And they basically say, we can't do it. Of course, God said they could. So as a result of the sin, they have to wander through the desert for 40 years, always going around this mountain. And, And Moses, who did nothing wrong, has to go with them. And for 40 years, Moses travels through the desert. But at one point in time, God gave Moses a command. And it was to speak to a rock so water would come out. And for whatever the circumstances, Moses ended up hitting the rock with his uh, staff. So Moses spends all these decades wandering in the desert, leading these people, going through all the hardship and all that. He's finally just on the verge of going into the promised land and wham, it's all taken away from him. And God says, you will not go in because you hit that rock. Now, I don't know about you, but in my world of fairness, that just doesn't seem fair. The punishment seems to so outweigh the crime. But I will tell you what I know from studying the Word of God, that it is absolutely fair. You see, the God of all creation can in no way reward, be involved in, or have anything to do with sin, no matter what form it takes. And guess what? It's still the same today with God. God is still the same God. The punishment for sin will always be death. We see that with Moses because he then went on and God took him uh, to heaven. He was still strong. He was still capable. He didn't die of natural causes. That sin cost him not only going into the promised land, but his life on this earth. Adam and Eve, as a result of the sin they committed, they had no ability to have forgiveness. They had no sacrifice that would allow them to be forgiven and death entered the human race. And every man and woman after that has suffered the consequences of that. See, the consequence for for sin is always death. But you see, with all the animal sacrifice and all that death, it wasn't enough. They were imperfect. You see, unless you and I can understand the horror of sin to God, We cannot fully grasp the unimaginable gift of forgiveness that you and I have. God chose to show us his grace and his mercy once and for all. And it was through Jesus because of God's unfathomable love for us. See, our father saw his son bound to a cross so that he could then be bound to a covenant that would provide forgiveness once and for all. This perfect blood sacrifice of Jesus never dries like the blood of of the bulls and goats and, and sheep. 
Bible tells us that blood in the Holy of Holies, when Jesus went to heaven after being crucified, he sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat, which is what the high priest would do every year for the sins of Israel. That blood is as fresh today as it was the day Jesus put it on there. It is eternally fresh. See, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins, and God's ability to forgive you and I is purely and simply based on love, which he demonstrated by sending his son to suffer this horrible, horrible death. You see, God's love and God's forgiveness are are intertwined. They are married. They are inseparable. Romans 5 tells us that while we were still sinners, God our Father provided forgiveness for us before we ever recognized or in any way acknowledged him. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says this, And God showed his love for us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have life through him. That is what love is. It is not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the means by which our sins are forgiven. This is a concept I I had to grab onto uh, in my early Christian walk because it was hard for me. See, Jesus didn't die so you could get to God. Jesus died so that God could get to you. See, he couldn't do that. He couldn't get to you or me without the ability to forgive sin, without the ability to be able to love us in spite of our sin in order for him to maintain his perfect righteousness. But he did it by a sacrifice that is perfect and would never require death again for sin. That is, to those who accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior that he is. So I want to ask you this. Do you remember what it was like when you first fell in love? So take your your most you know, significant romance that you had. Hopefully it's maybe the spouse you're with right now. Maybe you've had more than one spouse. Maybe you don't have any spouse. But if you've ever, what they quote unquote, fallen in love, when you've had that, that just overwhelming sense of, I love that person. Do you remember how that felt? You know, I remember when it was Barb and I, I couldn't wait to see her after school. And I couldn't wait to find out about her day. And, and we, would, we didn't text back then because there was no texting. There, was, there were no cell phones. Um, you know, so we actually had to write notes. I still have those notes. And, uh, but it was great. You know, and, and I just did anything I could to show her I loved her. I, uh, I overlooked her. I don't think she had any faults back then. She was beautiful. She was everything I always wanted. I mean, she was, she was my all in all. I didn't see the faults. I, I looked and saw all that she was. So listen to this next statement. That's how God feels about you every single minute of every hour of every day of every week of every year. Without fail, he is crazy about you. And beyond my comprehension, he's crazy about me. You see, it was because of his desire to be in a love relationship with you and me that he sent his only son to brutally die in order to remove the horror of sin. See, the horror of Jesus' death to God the Father wasn't as bad 
as the horror of sin in the life of his creation. He was willing to give his very best to take away my very worst. So as we close, I'd I'd like to leave with two thoughts. First, I'd like to encourage you to take some time this week and remember how you felt when you first accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Remember how free you felt, how forgiven you felt, how life suddenly had purpose and meaning. Remember those early days. I want you to remember too, if if you were at all like me, I needed to be forgiven. And it was amazing to me the hope that Christ gave me. And I want you to understand this, and I have to remind myself of this. It's the same in my marriage. It, it may not have been the same as day one, but I love my wife more today than I ever have. And, and I don't mean this in any bad way. I have to, I have to work at that. I have, to, I have to want that. I have to desire to still maintain that relationship. So I want you to be reminded of just what God did for you in those early days, weeks, and months. And if you're new to, to the Lord, then write this stuff down as you're going through it in your early months and years with the Lord. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, oh my This is your day for forgiveness. Second, please know that the enemy will always try to rob us of the beauty of this forgiveness. See, this whole message wasn't at all about telling you you have to forgive. I want you to know that God forgave you, forgives you. I don't care how often you sin. God, with the blood of Jesus, as we come to him, as we confess our sins, he is rightful and just to forgive us our sins. When we don't accept God's forgiveness, when we believe a lie, when we feel we are beyond forgiveness, when we feel defeated by sin, this is when that lie that comes into our head that says, Ed, you don't measure up to God's desire for you. We can continually feel like we're falling short. That's the enemy's tricks. That's a horrible and destructive destructive series of thoughts. And here's what the Bible says when we feel that way. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are walking after the Spirit. The Spirit of the living God dwells in you. That's what the Word says. Condemnation, guilt, not of God. Not of God. You see, when we know and accept that we are loved and forgiven, we are set free from this condemnation hold, which affects so many Christians. We become motivated to come to God freely because of his grace and mercy and this knowledge that we are truly forgiven. I'd like to leave you with this quote by the great theologian Oswald Chambers. I quote, Compared with the miracle of the forgiveness of sin, the experience of sanctification is small. Sanctification is simply the wonderful expression or evidence of the forgiveness of sins in a human life. But the thing that awakens the deepest fountain of gratitude in a human being is that God has forgiven his sin. Paul never got away from this. Once you realize all that it costs God to forgive you, you will be held as in a vice 
constrained by the love of God. So I leave you with that scripture I just quoted. If we confess our sins to God, he can always be trusted to forgive us and take away our sins. I want to talk to you today as I close and say this. I want you to know you're forgiven. I need to remember I'm forgiven. I don't need to listen to that voice that tells me all I could be if I just did this or that or all that I'm not because I don't do this or that. I need to enjoy the freedom and the beauty of God's love and God's forgiveness intertwined together. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that, Lord, I pray that this word will sink deep into the hearts of many. And the Father, this whole word of forgiveness, we don't think about it very much in this whole concept of being forgiven. But Father God, that's the miracle. The cross was about forgiveness. The resurrection was about forgiveness. It was the ability, Father, for you to love me the way you always have wanted to love me. And Jesus, it cost you horribly for that. I will be forever grateful. Lord, I thank you today for getting into our hearts this amazing, amazing wonder and beauty of your forgiveness. I ask this in Jesus, your precious name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you. And we also want to thank you for your generosity and giving. If you're new, we have three different ways that you could give to support this ministry. One is via giving online at shallowcommunity.church. If you'd rather give from your phone, you can text any amount to 84321. And lastly, simply just put a check into the mail. That would be fine too. So we want to wish you a great week. God bless you. If you have any prayer needs, please email us at prayer at shallowcommunity.church. And also I want to let you know if you need food or, or need any help from the church staff, please reach out to us via email. Uh, we have a food pantry every Friday night from 6 to 8 p.m. that's open to the public. And recently, the food pantry just joined with Harmony Home that we're giving uh, Harmony Home bread and lunch meat for them to make lunches every day for the homeless. So God is blessing Manchester through Shiloh, and thank you so much for your generosity. Take care and have a great day.